Our Father and God, we are so thankful uh, tonight to be here together as your family to take a, a look, Father, and study another portion of your word from the book of Proverbs. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand the wisdom that can be gained from the study and help us to be stronger in living our Christian lives day by day. Tonight, Father, we pray for our, our families here at Graver Road, those who uh, perhaps have been struggling with health issues or those who uh, are at this time needing your special care, our brother Don Martin, our sister Pam Biggs, and perhaps, Father, there are others I'm not even aware of. We pray that you would watch over our families and keep them safe through this winter season, and we pray that we would all be well and be able to worship you as we would each desire to do. We give you thanks, Father, for the opportunity we have to, to support your work and your word as it's being preached in different places in the Philippines and in India and in the Bahamas and different places in the world. Father, we pray for those who preach your word and teach your word and pray for those who worship you all over the world. Some, Father, under some very difficult situations and circumstances. We give you thanks once again for our country and for the freedoms that we enjoy. We give you thanks, Father, for uh, just the opportunity to, have, to sit in a nice, warm, comfortable building such as this tonight. Uh, we ask you to continue to be with us and bless us, Father, as we uh, unfold the work for the year 2020. We pray that everything we plan to do will be according to your will and that we'll be successful in doing that. Uh, watch over us tonight as we study together. Be with us as we go home to our homes later. Forgive us, Father, where we have failed you. Our gift, we thank you for Jesus and for all the blessings we have through his precious sacrifice. In his name we pray. Amen. Last week we kind of opened the lesson and talked about the fact that the book of Proverbs is God's, God's how-to manual. It was, it's a book written to help us develop uh, prudent and moral behavior. So obviously, I think or I think we should understand that there there are going to be lessons from the book of Proverbs that are going to be very positive, and that will help us in a very beneficial way. But then then there are some warnings in the book of Proverbs. Some of the lessons we're going to look at together are going to warn us about the dangers of certain things in life that that we can engage in. Tonight's lesson is actually about adultery. Adultery in the book of Proverbs. We're going to talk about temptation and the sexual sin of adultery. I, I probably it's it it probably wouldn't surprise me to find out that almost everyone in this auditorium knows someone uh, at some time in your life who has been who is engaged in adultery. And 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 it it wasn't too terribly long ago that that was of course looked at as a very scandalous thing. Uh, but it seems that as time has changed and time has gone on, it is one of those things that has become almost acceptable or, or we might say permissible. Uh, you know, it's, and, and sometimes the thought is, well, as long as it's not someone that I know or someone that I know that's being hurt, it's, it's, it's just one of those things that's going to happen. But but book Proverbs has a lot to say about adultery and warning us of the dangers of adultery. Uh, if in the book in the book of Jeremiah chapter eight and verse twelve, we read this: Were they ashamed when they committed abominations? No, they were not at all ashamed. 
nor do they know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall. In the time of their punishment they shall be cast down, says the Lord. So uh, here was a group of people who were so engaged in sin, this abomination, that it didn't seem to even bother them at all. It says they, the, the, Jeremiah says that the people were not even ashamed to be caught in the sins that they were caught in. Uh, in the book of Proverbs, we, we find that chapter 2, verse 16 opens the book with a discussion concerning the immoral woman. And then if you turn all the way over to the close of the book, chapter 31 is going to talk about the virtuous woman. So we're going to spend a little bit of time tonight looking at verses and reading warnings to all of us today about the dangers of adultery. Uh, recently in a survey that was done among a denominational group, uh, 52% of the men who were at that gathering confessed to having viewed pornography material in the previous week. 52%. It, it seems that uh, it's become kind of a common accepted attitude, even in with those who are in committed relationships, to see nothing wrong whatsoever with viewing Pornography, to me, it's one of the very big dangers of of the of the, the, the all the media we have and available today, and so readily available to everyone. So, from the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, we're going to take a look tonight and see what some of the consequences of, of adultery are. We're going to see exactly how an adulterous woman operates, and then we're going to close the class tonight with taking a look at what well what you know, what is available to us today? What is the remedy for the temptation of adultery? We'll take a look at that from the book tonight. Last week we said that the book of Proverbs gives us wisdom, and the idea of that wisdom is to be able to, to look down the road and to see the consequences of things as they may turn out. Okay, to look down the road, rather than just accepting what's here and what's now and doing what's desirable, Sometimes, but been able to take a better look at things and a long, hard look at things and seeing how that, you know, we need to think about the future. We need to think about how things might actually turn out. So what's the big deal? What is the big deal about adultery? Well, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32, we read, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does he who does also destroys his own soul. So the sin of, the sin of adultery uh, will cause us to lose our very soul and our good standing before the Lord. Uh, he says that uh, that sin also, uh, one who commits that sin lacks understanding and certainly, of course, lacks wisdom. And in, in Proverbs chapter 7, in verse 26, the writer wrote, she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. You see, the sin of adultery is not, is not necessarily one just committed by weak people, but it's a sin that's committed by even very strong people, people who are good, uh, who are attempting to live good Christian lives. So uh, that sin has caused many to lose their soul. So let's think about looking down that road and thinking about just for a few moments, what, what are some of the consequences as described in God's word 
of, of the sin of adultery. In Proverbs chapter 2, in verses 18 and 19, we read uh, the fact that the, the, the sin of adultery takes something away from you. It takes something away from you, something permanent. Her house leads down to death, and her paths to the dead. None who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So uh, the sin of adultery will cause us even to lose our very life. Well, what are some of the other consequences of adultery? A man commits adultery and his relationship, what does it do to his relationship with his family? What does it do to his relationship with his wife? Uh, the relationship with his kids. What we find out is that those relationships are destroyed and sometimes irrevocably altered. Uh, he's been selfish. Uh, he's transferred his baggage of his selfish choices onto his innocent family. So it, it, we can see how it can destroy families. It can destroy uh, friendships and all kinds of things like that. Uh, Many trying to work through adultery wish they could just turn back the hands of time. Many think, you know, if, if I would have just been smarter, if I would have taken more time to think about what I was doing, if I would have realized the damage it was going to do to my family and even to my health, then I would gladly undo that sin if I possibly could. Relationships are forever changed. The liberal trust will never be quite the same. If you look over at the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 16 and 17, the Hebrew writer would, uh, would say this about adultery. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 16 to 17. Lest there be any fornication or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright, for you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. A man who, who sold his birthright for a morsel of food later wanted to go back and redo that, reclaim what was his rightfully, and even though he sought that with bitter tears, it was something that couldn't be undone. And that's the way the sin of adultery is. It's not something that can just be undone. It's going, to have its, it's going to have its damaging effects upon families forever and ever. And in, in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 9, the, the writer points out that it will ruin, it will ruin, absolutely ruin a man's honor. And when you think about honor, what do we think about? We talk about how a man is respected and looked up to in the community, how he's looked at, what his worth is, his, his prestige, and uh, uh, adultery in a man's life will certainly take its toll on that. Uh, adultery uh, is, is the scarlet letter. Uh, once known, it is permanent in the minds of others. People never forget it. And in verse 9 of this same chapter, chapter 6, it talks about how it's going to create cruel years in a man's life. Cruel years in a man's life. Uh, Chapter 6 and verse 33 points out that um, wounds and dishonor he will get and his reproach will not be wiped away. It's, it's, it's one of those sins uh, that if it occurs in a person's life and once it's known, it's not going to be forgotten. 
people are not going to forget it. Uh, I, th- th- there's a note here about there have been gospel preachers who have been caught up in the act of adultery. And you think about what it has done to their life. It doesn't matter how much good they did prior to that effect, before they did that, or, or what, what good things they had written or books. What were they always going to be remembered for? They're going to be remembered for the sin of adultery they had in their life. Uh, you can even stop, if not think just about preachers, but you can think about famous people who've been caught up in adultery and how it ruined their life. And an example we have, of course, here is Tiger Woods uh, and, and Bill Clinton. What, you know, what do people remember about them? What, well, they're going to remember the scandalous act of adultery uh, that they had and how it ruined their families and ruined their life. And even those preachers, uh, if you were to read something they wrote later on, you're still going to have that memory of, in your mind about what they had done in their lifetime and how they had run. Uh, their family destroyed their their uh, their lost their honor uh, for what they had done and the way that they lived. And like I said, I doubt I doubt that there's any of us who uh, who don't know someone who's been caught up in that act of adultery. Uh, another thing that the book of uh, Proverbs points out to us is that it's going to diminish a man's wealth. Stop and think about that just for a moment. In chapter 5 and verse 10, the writer writes, Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Think of all the things that come from a, a, a relationship, an adulterous relationship where the family is split up and, and, the, and the divorce takes place. And then there's going to be child support. There's going to be alimony. There's going to be divorce settlements. There's, there is nothing that turns out to be prosperous about adultery uh, from a financial standpoint. Not only are people going to be hurt, and families are going to be tore, about, but fi- uh, tore up, but financials are going to be tore uh, Financial situation, that picture is going to be changed forever. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 26, and just again, note just how many verses we find in the book of Proverbs that deal with the topic of adultery. Verse, verse 26 of chapter 6, for, by the, for the, by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon, an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. So once again, not only does it have an effect on his immediate family, upon his Christian life, upon his soul, but it's going to have an effect upon the wealth of that family too. He, he is reduced to a crust of bread, meaning he's, he's pretty much worthless. He's pretty much worthless at that point in time. A, an adulterous situation is going to cause mourning. It's going to cause sorrow in a family. In Proverbs chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, Proverbs chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, we read, And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed, and say, How? I have hated instruction, and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of an assembly and the congregation. So from the book of Proverbs that we should gain understanding and gain wisdom, we also find out that when a person fails to listen 
to the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs and fails to live his life making good decisions that he chooses the wrong path. If he chooses the wrong path, he will say to himself, you know, I should have inclined my ears to listen to the instruction that was given me from others and from the book of Proverbs itself. Uh, there, uh, of all the hurts and all the different things that you can think about that might happen to a person, uh, there is probably no hurt like the hurt of adultery. Like the hurt of adultery. You know, uh, God knows that, of course. It is, only, it is the only exception under which God will allow the innocent party in a divorce to remarry. Think about that. We read in the book of Matthew. If you look over at the book of Hosea, uh, you, you can see uh, it, that whole book was or the chapters of that book were written and pointed to the fact that God losing his family and, and his, of course his family at that particular time is, is the nation of Israel. So uh, and how they divorced him and left him and how sad it made him. But from the book of James, over in the New Testament, the writer of James, we find this particular in chapter four, verses one through four. We read from the book of James, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure and that, war, uh, that war in your members? Your lust, uh, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight wars. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your uh, pleasures, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of, of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So not only we find verses in the Old Testament that warn us about the sin of adultery, but even James writes about adultery in the New Testament also, and how that that sin is, is one that the, the hurt this does not stop. The hurt does not stop from, from that act. Uh, one of the points pointed out in this lesson was here, you stop and think about this for a moment. You know, it's not, it's not just a 20th or 21st century problem or sin. It's, it's a sin that has been going on since, probably since the beginning of time. Uh, you stop and think about David, who was the king, and Bathsheba, Okay. That, that, was, that was an adulterous act, and, and it cost, of course, the, all the sadness it brought that family. It's been going on for a long, long time. But you stop and think about this just for a moment. Uh, back in the day when the book of Proverbs was written back in the Old Testament, people didn't move around like we move around today, right? I mean, I mean people were where, where they were going to live, that's where they were going to settle. And think about the situation a man would be in if he if he performed an adulterous act with his neighbor's wife. He can't. He's not just going to up and move to another state. He's he's kind of pretty much had to live in that same position. He's got to face that jealous neighbor from then on. Every time he walks outside and sees that neighbor, and he's he's performed this uh, adulterous act with his wife, it's it's going to remind him of of what he did. So in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 34 and 35, the writer writes, For jealousy is a husband's 
is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare uh, spare in the days of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you have many gifts, though you give many gifts. So it's one of those things that pretty much regardless of what you offer, what you try to do to amend that situation, try to fix it, you're still going to face the jealous husband. He's going to be right there. He's still going to be your neighbor. He's still going to see every time you leave the house. Uh, and in this day and time, we find people who just pick up and move to another state or move to a different county. But this is not this is not the way it was back in the days of the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter seven, verses twenty-two, twenty-three point out that a, a, this adultery will will absolutely take your life. It will it will take your life. Look at chapter seven, verses twenty-two and twenty-three. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver and as a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would what? It would cost him his life. It would cost him his life. So it's, it's not something to be taken lightly. It's a sin that will cost a person his life. It certainly will cost his salvation uh, if it's not something repented of. Whatever life that we have now will be forever altered, and it will be altered in all the worst ways that you can possibly imagine by one single act of adultery, by one single act. So how is it possible that a person can fall into this sin? Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul would write to us, he says, we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, whose devices are we talking about? Satan's. Yeah, we're not ignorant of how Satan operates in our life. So let's think a little bit about how an adulterous situation might occur in a person's life. Uh, so how how does an adulterous woman operate? Uh, to begin with, with her speech, okay? Interestingly enough, the book of Proverbs seems to focus a great deal on the words that comes out of this person's mouth upon her speech uh, that leads to adultery. It, more than, more so than the visual appeal of the adulterous act itself. There is a narrative of seduction and, and uh, rationalization that takes place where? In our minds, inside our own heads. We seem to live this scenario out in our own heads. But in chapter 2 and verse 16, in fact, in several different verses, we find out the seductress who flatters with her words, who flatters with her words. Um, in this day and time, we might call it flirting, right? We might call it flirting. They say, well, there's nothing really wrong with innocent flirting. There's nothing really wrong with that. But uh, is it really harmless? It, it, it certainly is harmless. Should a married woman uh, or a married man be involved in this kind of speech and behavior uh, with someone other than his own wife or his own, or her own husband? It's not something that's going to benefit anybody, that type of language, but by her speech. In, in chapter 5 of, of the book of Proverbs, verses 3 and 4, we're told that for the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. So those flattering words, those flirting words, those flirtatious words, 
and looks. Um, the, the writer of Proverbs says you got to beware of those because he says that's the way uh, an adulterous woman can trap someone into falling into her and snare someone. Uh, not only that, but but her her beauty. Uh, the beauty is certainly a part of the appeal in this process. In chapter 6, verse 25, the writer says, Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. So uh, a, a woman can uh, be flirtatious in her words, but she can also use the way that she dresses, her appearance, her demeanor, uh, to also entice men into this particular sin. And in chapter 7, verse 10, he writes, she wears, what, the attire of a harlot. She dressed so as to trap men. This particular adulteress he writes about. She dresses to, to attract men and to trap men. So the Bible is very clear set in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 about how, how we should dress and how, we should, how a woman should dress and how she should behave. It teaches that our appearance and our demeanor can be intended to seduce. So we have to be careful about that. A, a seduction requires uh, not only a seducer, but also one who is willing to be seduced. The, the Bible describes the process of seduction uh, in, to sin perfectly. Look, if you will, at Proverbs chapter 7, beginning in verse 6, going all the way down to verse 23. Almost, almost several of the verses there. And, 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 and listen to these verses here and see how, how this might work in a person's life. Chapter 6, uh, beginning, uh, chapter, I've lost my place here. Yeah, chapter 7, verse 6. There we go. Thank you. I kept looking at the wrong chapter there. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice and I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path of her house. For in the twilight, in the evening, in, in the black and dark night, for there is, for, for, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and with crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking in every corner. So she caught him and kissed him. And with an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with thee. Today I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you diligently and to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight in ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him, and he will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her, as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the, correction, to the correction of the stocks. Till an arrow struck his liver, as the bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost him his life. 
So you see the different ways that this particular woman seduced this man. Says that she she uh, she she made herself available and she dressed for the occasion. Said that she had a crafty heart. This was not this was something that she planned on. This is something she worked at doing to trap this person. She had an appealing plan. Uh, she says, no one will find out. My husband's gone. Everything's going to be fine. So he says in chapter 7, verse 21, he said she used enticing words. She used enticing speech uh, to cause him to yield. Uh, so you might think a little bit about, well, what, what might a person say today? Uh, as far as enticing words, you're probably not going to hear some of the words that we heard there in chapter 7, but you might hear someone say something like, well, you know, we're, we're soulmates. We're soulmates. We deserve each other. Or something like, you know, we were, we were really meant to be together. We were really meant to be together. Or you just you just married the wrong person. You just married the wrong person. Uh, you and your present mate are, are just are just wrong for each other. Uh, like oil and water. Uh, you deserve to be treated better than that. Uh, you know that God would want you to be happy, right? So these are some of the enticing words or some of the speech you might hear from some seductress who is trying to entice someone into the act of adultery today. And, and, you know, we just have to be cautious of these things. So what is the, what is the remedy for this? Well, I mean, it, the, the temptation is there. The sin is there. Satan is very much alive today looking for ways that he could trap us today. And that sin of adultery is just as active today as it ever was. So the, the, the remedy seems to be we need to really listen to the wisdom that we find in the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs tells us those things that we need for understanding and for wisdom to escape this peril and this sin of, of adultery. Like in chapter 5 and verse 1, in chapter 5 and verse 1, the writer writes, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. Lend your ear to my understanding. Pay attention to the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs. We, we read warnings over and over again about the different sins, and we'll continue to look at other things that we find in the book of two. But, but the writer says, not only do you hear the words of wisdom that comes from the book, but you need to try to understand that these words are written for you, and they're written for me today. So we need to take a look at that. We, we read this particular verse earlier, uh, chapter 5, verse 13. So you, will, uh, you will commit adultery and say, How I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. We hear lessons from the pulpit. We hear lessons from, uh, from God's word. We read lessons. We read the verses and admonition we find. In the book of Proverbs, we read the warnings. The thing is, we need to listen to what we're hearing. We need to listen to what it says and understand these things are written for our understanding and for our wisdom to help us to be stronger, to live the kind of lives that we should live. In chapter 6, uh, verses 20 through 
Uh, again, he says, uh, look at this particular verse. My son, keep your father's command. Keep your father's command. Uh, we understand that the words written in this book are just are, are written to help us to have a good life and to have a better life. And they're written for our admonition and for our correction. So he said, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law uh, of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you when you roam, you will uh, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. When you are awake, they will speak with you. For this for the commandment is a lamp, and 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 the law is a light. Repro reproofs of correction are the way of life. Again, we should take a look at the book of Proverbs and understand it is a book written to help us understand and live good lives. It you know we talked about relationships last week and how that uh, Job talks about the relationship with suffering and Psalms talks about our relationship with God. But Proverbs talks about our relationship with others, with our, our neighbors, our friends, and other people. So we should know that these were written for our admonition. In chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, the, the writer continues the same thought about how that we should listen and keep these words. He says, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Treasure my commands. If we would just... Uh, keep the commands and live. And it says that my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your nearest kin. That they may keep you from the immoral woman. From the seductress who flatters with her words. So the sin of adultery is out there. Uh, Satan is crafting ways to trap you and I today. Into doing that sin. He says, but listen. Listen to what the scriptures have to say. Understand that the words are written for your edification, for your strength, and for you and I to be stronger and live in our life. Keep these commands. They're, they're written because we're told that in this book, he says, you know, adult, the, the sin of adultery will cost you will cost you your very life. Uh, as he says in the same verse, he's called call wisdom your sister. Uh, you are my sister and called understanding your nearest kin. We need to listen. We need to pay attention to those things we find written in God's word. Uh, the lesson is, if you are not actively paying attention, if you're not working at listening to these warnings, then we're, we're going to be in danger. We're going to be, we could be very well find ourselves caught up in this trap of adultery. If we're not actively paying attention and understand these words are written to you and I today, today. So, the, the wise thing, of course, to, for us to do would be to stay away from temptation. Look at chapter 6, verses 25 through 29. Chapter 6, verses 25 through 29. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom? And his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife, who touches her, shall not be innocent. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. So we just need to find ways to stay away from sin. Do not lust. Do not flirt 
sometimes the best thing to do is just stay away from that kind of uh, activity as far as you can. Some people, we just need to understand, some people it is just a wise thing to keep a friendly distance away from. Okay? And the, the writer points out, especially in the workplace, and especially in the places where we work, uh, if we find that uh, someone is being flirtatious, someone is uh, using enticing words, then maybe the best thing for us to do is just to be sure to absent ourselves from that person and to move away from that person, knowing uh, about the destruction that could come from that sin. Uh, be content and be delighted in the wife of your youth. We're talking about remedies for temptation. Be content and be delighted in the wife of your youth. Look at chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Drink water from your own cistern and run in water from your own well. Should your foundation be despised, uh, should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the street, let them be only for your own and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and as a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. And why, and for why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be uh, embraced in the arms of seductors? So a gentleman by the name of Norman Gibson made this statement. He said, the secret to a happy marriage is to marry the most beautiful woman in the world and make sure that she stays that way. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good wisdom, I think, in that particular verse. Chapter eight, verse 18 of chapter 5 says, we should rejoice with the wife of our youth. We should always look for ways to uh, help that love grow stronger and longer uh, to, and always be enraptured by her love, verse 19 says. Um, adultery is, is, is given special attention to the book of Proverbs as, as it is in the rest of the Bible. We find warnings in the New Testament about adultery too. Don't forget, whoever, and this is found in chapter 6, verse 32. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Destroys his own soul. It's a sin that will take our life. It's a sin that will separate us from God, of course, and a sin that will destroy families. And so we find the warnings from the book of Proverbs on adultery. And that's the lesson for tonight. And 